All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Denton North Church. Uh, my name is Grayson Bewley. Um, I'm excited for everyone to be here. I have a few announcements to make, or a announcement to make. Summer small groups, everyone. Uh, we're starting summer small groups in the first week of June. Yeah. All right. That's exciting. Uh, it's a great place to just hang out with friends and learn about Jesus. Um, and so we got all of these, like, periods of time, I guess. If we go to the next slide, we'll see all of, like, the uh, days that we have available as well as the times. And uh, it's just a great time to just, like, hang out together as friends and learn about Jesus and, and community and all this stuff. So we meet on Wednesdays as well as Tuesdays. We got all the times up there as well as the people and where they're meeting at and all that junk. And so if you're needing to like get like specific details about like all this stuff, if you need these slides, if you need to like exactly you know find all that stuff out, we can like get that information out. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. That's there's the numbers for people and all that. You can call them and whatever. That's just great to hang out with people and all that. And so that's that. Is there anything else there? Yes. Uh, we, I believe what are the t it's just one topic we're doing, which is that's it. <laughs> Great job, call and response. Um, so yeah, I believe that is the only other announcement. We have the uh, offering basket, which is somewhere. It is back there. And uh, yeah, you guys pretty much know how this works, but we're going to pass the offering basket. It's going to go all the way from over here, and it's going to go all the way over in the back. And then, then you're going to pass it behind you, and then you're going to go all the way over on the other side. Okay, that's that. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get started. Okay. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, bringing us together today and being able to celebrate together. Um, and just, um, I just pray that we can just... Be prepared um, to listen to um, the topic today and listen to um, what needs to be said. I just pray that we can just prepare our hearts for worship, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We used to have a small group sign up back there. Will someone go look in that thing? Uh, we need that to pass around again because last week was crazy for small group stuff. You all just signed up from the first sheet. Uh, I mean, I think most of you don't just like Austin and Miriam that much. I think people were just like, first sheet, yeah, that's probably where I'm going to sign up. So that was like completely useless. Uh, so what we're going to do on this sheet is we're going to pass around uh, trying to figure out days and times that you can do, uh, particularly for those of you who are not in a small group. That way we can kind of, you know, spread everyone out uh, somewhat equally uh, into those groups. So we're going to pass that around. It should be pretty self-explanatory. Just take a look at it, all right? Because not only is this group going to be what you're going to do over the summer for five weeks on Tuesday or Wednesday night, but two times, probably three times out of the summer, you're going to be in that group the first Sunday of every month, hanging out, chilling, doing cool things, all right? So like in two weeks, isn't that in two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks from today, you're going to be in your small groups uh, and uh, on Sunday morning during this time. We will not be here, all right? And your small groups will kind of decide what you, uh, what you do. Sounds good? Questions about that? Yeah? No? Good? Yes, Ryan, you have a question. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, you obviously don't need to sign up to be in a small group that you're already in. Uh, so just please, don't, don't sign up if you're already in that small group. We don't need more information. Uh, but if you were in the Monday small group, which dissipated, uh, then uh, you can sign up for a new group. That sounds great. So, yeah. And then, uh, so a couple things that we're working on for over the summer. I don't know whether these are going to be sermon series or classes or even... Uh, 
false uh, series, but I would always like feedback from you guys on this kind of stuff. We've got three topics in mind. One kind of comes from Grant's sermon uh, last week, which I thought was excellent and really been thinking about a lot. And we want to talk about adult faith, living with hope and a good God, and the idea of like really growing your faith, uh, particularly in God's character, and how that would work and how that happens. I think we're going to do some of that in June, but these are just three ideas that for like our summer and for fall possibly. Uh, the second one is called Christian Identity. Uh, Christian Identity amongst infinite, infinity identities, infinite, infinite identities. It's kind of a tongue twister, uh, as you can see. Um, but it'll be based on a book that you could read along if you're bored over the summer called Birthright by uh, David Needham. It's an incredible book uh, about uh, Christian identity and thinking through like, who do we become truly when we become a Christian and begin to follow uh, Christ. And it's a little bit deep, but it's not too, too deep. It's a very formational book for me when I was in college. And I think it's an excellent topic for thinking about identity because we spend a lot of time gathering identity from various places without even calling it that. And this helps counter some of that with who are you as a Christian. The third one is going to be uh, evangelism from an Eastern perspective. And that book's going to be, uh, it's kind of based on the book that I was, I've been quoting from a little bit lately uh, called Christianity Rediscovered by Vincent Donovan, who is a Catholic priest that decided to stop doing mission work in the traditional way of teaching kids and um, doing medicine, and just went out to uh, one of the more famous warrior tribes in Eastern Africa called the Maasai tribe, or Maasai, I don't know how to say it, I'm sorry if I've messed it up, and uh, and then just starts preaching the gospel for nothing in return, and makes that very clear up front, and so it's his story. So thinking through evangelism from more of a communal aspect rather than uh, an individual aspect. So anyway, those are just some things we've been thinking about. Um, and uh, we're going to try to do some of that, maybe even in a class form, maybe in small groups, maybe in the sermon series. But if you've got other ideas, it's always important that we take the pulse of where you guys are at and what you want to do. Over the summer, we obviously have about half of our church here, and so it's really nice to be able to do some things that are more geared towards uh, smaller groups and or the adults that, uh, that hang out here. So unlike what I'm about to do, which is really very uh, collegiate. No, that's not the right way to put that. It's uh, childish. Um, so, uh, yeah. So any questions about that, you know, let me know, and we'll be good to go. So I kind of jokingly th- said that I was going to preach an in-game uh, sermon series for two weeks, three weeks, actually, and then Grant saved me from the first week, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, I got nothing else to talk about, really. Uh, at least it's pressing on my mind. So I went ahead and watched in-game in two parts. Uh, I did not watch it twice. I watched it in two parts. It's too long. So I had to watch the Sunday night, an hour and a half, the first hour and a half, and then Troy and I watched the second hour and a half on Thursday night. Wait, so you left? I left, yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the movie. Not the point. Uh, (laughs) The point is that for an hour and a half long period of time, for me watching a movie is pretty amazing. Most times I spend about 15 to 30 minutes watching a movie and then watch it over the course of, you know, a month or a few weeks, that kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, maybe that's silly, but maybe also... I'm taking in a lot that you're missing. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the, the sermon series is, is called In Game, Why It's Never the In Game. Uh, week one here is teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, do I have my picture? Okay. Yes. Excellent. It's my only picture, so I don't have a lot of them. Uh, I just thought this one was particularly funny, and I liked it. Nope, not that one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, while we're talking about that, uh, I didn't really like Endgame as a movie. Uh, the first half... Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
I'm going to spoil the movie real bad. So if you haven't seen it, the spoiler like um, limitation ended like last Monday or something. So if you haven't seen it, get out. Uh, but let me also in- encourage you to, uh, to, to that it's not that good of a movie, so don't worry about it. I already said that once. Why did it the second time I said it? You finally picked up on it. Anyway, I laughed a lot during the first uh, hour and a half. And I think what was so cool about the first hour and a half of the movie is it, it delves into such difficult topics of, of grief and loss and failure and trying to like understand your past and possibly go back and change it. And yet at the same time, it's like super, super funny. Like I laughed so much in the first hour and a half. Second hour and a half is just boring. Uh, it's way too much action. I get super bored in action movies and uh, so whatever. And yeah, it kind of came to a close, but it seemed like a silly close to me when it was unnecessary. But um, there you go, whatever. Like the first half, don't really like the second half. So I want to talk about two things. This first week is teamwork makes the dream work. It's going to uh, relate to this up here. Uh, and then the second one uh, next week is Thanos and Theos, uh, why Thanos uh, is not like God, uh, or something like that. Um, or maybe, well, I think actually it's why God isn't like what we think he's like. Because what's really interesting about Thanos is, uh, is that a lot of people, he's such a uh, complex villain, and some people have really tried to kind of talk about how uh, he's got sort of like some good things he's trying to do. And um, so I want to really explore that next week, particularly uh, as we look at um, him compared to the character of God. So there we go. All right. So actually, when I first read this, I I thought it said you don't need ass to be worthy, which still applies in Endgame. Think about it. Captain America has America's ass. Then... uh, it works on both levels, okay? So I'm just going to say that right now. It really works on both levels. So either way you read this, and it's definitely abs, um, it works. Now, real quick, for those of you who've seen the movie, why doesn't Thor need abs to be worthy? There's only one right answer to this. Think about it for a second. Talk amongst yourselves real quick, if you need to, real quick. Why doesn't Thor need abs to be worthy? This is the whole point of the message. This is it. This is all I got for you is the answer to the stupid t-shirt question. Okay, he's a child of a king. I, I guess, I guess, I guess the identity part of it. But think about the movie. Think about the whole movie. I mean, it be, kind of begins and ends in an answer to this question. The final scene is such a funny scene if you think about kind of the theme throughout this movie, uh, dealing particularly with, with Thor. Yeah, I can tell, thank you. Just kidding. I mean, even a bad movie like this has all kinds of wonderful things to point out uh, in terms of, uh, of themes and things like that. So. What do you mean? Yeah, right? Kind of. And probably part of that is actually because his contract is up and he's making so much money, so they're probably trying to kick him out. But think about Thor traditionally through these movies. He's the guy that single-handedly comes in, has more power than everyone, always wants to take charge, never wants to follow. Remember, he's the one uh, that takes Rocket away, and Rocket's so impressed with him, which is so funny for this movie to watch Rocket just be like so disgusted with him. Um, But he, all of a sudden, feels like he's failed on his own in his individual role, and Thor, throughout the rest of the movie, recognizes the importance of the team that he's on. Okay? The reason he doesn't have to abs, have abs to be worthy is nothing because of something in himself that he figured out or did. It's because he finally realizes he's a part of a much larger team 
that before could not, he could not possibly do it on his own, even though the whole load rested on his shoulders, which is the main reason why he felt like he failed, okay? And, you know, he gets to see his mom, and his mom tells him, you know, uh, you're trying to be like who people tell you to be, but you just need to be who you are. And even at the end, right, huge spoiler, what does Thor do with his kingship? And there's a lot of passing on in this movie, which I particularly like, both for its uh, emphasis on passing on to non-white people and women, but at the end of Thor, or, or at the end of the movie, who does Thor pass it on to? Valkyrie, right? So the idea that you're a leader, you're the one that should be in this role, I've been trying to fit into this role, which is really no role uh, of mine at all. I need to be on a team. I love that theme. That's one of my favorite things about the movie, is that the reason Thor is worthy without abs is because he has a team, Okay. He doesn't have abs anymore, and he used to, but he learned a much uh, you know, bigger lesson out of that. Kevin, you're looking at me quizzically. You don't, you don't agree? You've not even seen it, have you? Okay, we actually have <laughs> our Avenger timeline that was finished before you. Wow. <laughs> so you haven't? You've seen Endgame? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. So this is an attitude in the church that I think is, this is an attitude in the church that more and more I think is common among us. Call it our individualistic society, whatever, is we are not good at playing on a team, okay? Either we take the entire burden on our shoulders and when we fail, it's our failure and it's, it's not a group thing, or we're more like Thanos and we just sort of go off and do our own thing and have minions around us but no mentors, no one who we're really connected to. Either way, it doesn't work in community. In fact, it doesn't even work to human nature. In 1 Corinthians 12, when God says, you are a part of a body in Christ, one's an ear, one's a you know, nose, one's whatever, you can't do anything apart from the body, even if you decide one day to get up and say, you know what, because I'm an ear, uh, I'm gonna go be off on my own, it is not possible. So in the kingdom of God, we are a part of a body, and we have our roles, we have our strengths. Some of those are natural, some of those change, some of those are based on faith, some of those are based on the situation we're in. But too many of us simply do not do ministry and do life out of this sort of team commitment. And I'm one of the worst, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think probably uh, a lot of people who tend to be, you know, maybe in a leadership position, whether that's natural or not, can kind of run off on their own. And even in our church environment today, we sort of aggrandize people who are these sort of famous on their own kind of people who really aren't part of some bigger team. Uh, and I think you get that. One of the most beautiful and wonderful things about this entire movie and about the entire series is how much focus there is on the team gets the job done. Together the team, together the people can take on all of the forces of the world. And that's exactly the message that, that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians about the idea that through the Spirit, uh, the Spirit takes those things, those gifts that we have, those roles that we have, uh, puts together something called the church that is not conquerable. It conquers all forces of the world, no matter what they are, even if they're infinity stones, which I've watched a couple funny little videos. There's one in particular about showing, there's a British comedy show about just talking about how the gauntlet is like a, you know, like a 10-year-old girl's toy or something. Like, if you really look at it, like, it's such a cheesy little thing, right? I mean, have you seen that one? No? No one's seen it? Okay, I should have played the video. It's very, very funny, but it's laced with curse words. Uh, so that would not be good. So, many characters with different and sometimes overlapping strengths 
and specific roles, right? Like, the, you know, one of the major uh, sort of spoilers was that Cap, you know, when he goes back, decides he's going to live a different life and live the life that he intended to live, which might be a whole other storyline. And at the end, he passes on his shield to, I can't remember what that guy's name is. I'll call him Skyhawk, but that can't be right. Falcon, okay, well. It's pretty close, guys. I mean, Falcon's a little bit better than Skyhawk. I'm going to give you that. But I literally could not remember his name, and I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to try to look it up and be cool. But passes that on, which is a really interesting idea too, that sometimes, again, in community, in team, we pass on those roles that we have uh, when other people are ready to take that. And so we think, well, that person will never fulfill that role. That person always ought to be in that role. If we're not continually passing the torch in the roles that we have, we're not really working as a team in the first place. Of course, I already mentioned the Thor in Valkyrie. Uh, the women's scene, um, which is an amazing scene, right? Everyone loves that one when they just all go and basically take care of things. Uh, you don't know what the women's scene is, Kevin? Were you watching the movie? Or? Again, the quizzical look. What is happening here? Did you fall asleep? Oh, yeah, right. Try to make it, try to put it on me like I'm the one that's bad, pointing out your tics. Whatever. Uh, Captain Marvel, which is, I didn't watch the movie before, I didn't get a chance to, but I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that if she wanted to, maybe if there's one character who could single-handedly beat Thanos, it was probably her. But she's got her role, and it's a small role at the beginning and the end. Kind of a big deal. She runs through a ship, but somehow can't run through Thanos. I don't get that, but that's fine. It's no big deal. Still, she uses her power at the right time, in the right place, so, so the team, you know, benefits from it. I mean, maybe there's some people on the team that could just wipe out everyone else, but they're gentle and, you know, they allow the team to work together for the benefit. Plus, she's got other places to be at, right? Uh, and with that haircut, I mean, you know, I don't even know. I struggled with that part, but... Um, so... I've got a couple uh, thoughts for you, and then we're going to actually end off with the probably shortest uh, church service that anyone in our family of churches have ever had ever, uh, which I am fine uh, having that, uh, you know, that honor. <laughs> couple questions for you to think through here in response to this, all right? Number one is, what role do you have in our church? And you know, you don't have to think about this in terms of community, guys. This is in terms of the church community. It's very much the same in your workplace, in your house, whatever. Although we spend so much of our time pretending that we're these individual islands and entities that have the capability and ability to do everything we need to do, we are a part of a team. And no matter where we're at, we are. Even the loneliest, most hermit-like person has to rely on other people to get things done. And we may diminish that fact, we may ignore it, whatever, but we are part of a team. So much more so when we're part of the kingdom of God, when we are supposed to be working as one body. No matter how much you separate, no matter how much you, you have difficulty finding your role, you do have a role. If you have the spirit of God inside of you, the spirit of God has given you gifts, has given you tasks, and has given you a role. And that role may be small in your own estimation, but remember what Jesus says with small responsibility or with something, I don't know. You know what I'm gonna say. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Great responsibility. That I don't think is Jesus, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. You guys get the idea, all right? So, with small, been trusted with much. Let's just do the talents, all right? Why not? Parable of talents. There we go. Throw that in there. Talents. Uh, small gifts, small... Okay, you get the idea. No matter how small it is in your own estimation, God has given you a role 
to fulfill, and that role is important. People always want to rank the Avengers, right? For like, who's got the most amount of power? And there's arguments about that and blah, blah, blah. And for a long time, people wanted to say like, um, I can't remember his name either. I can just remember his real name, Clint. Arrow Man. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. There we go. So he's not the Skyhawk because the hawk and in the air, yeah. All right, so Arrow Man, um, a lot of people are like, what does he do? Like, how does he have any, like, real powers and, you know, whatever? And I'm like, well, I think that guy's pretty cool. You know, he does some really cool stuff. But there's obviously people throughout that, you know, maybe, like, Spider-Man's a good example of that initially. Now, I mean, you know, Kill Mode, oh, my gosh. You know, how cool is that to watch? That's finally fun. Especially if you'd seen Homecoming recently. That was good stuff. Uh, but we, we've got this, these roles to have, and, uh, and we've got to decide um, you know, where we're at and what we're doing in those. I know one of the things I've heard a lot from adults graduating is that in Focus, we've got these really spe- specified roles. And so when you get out, it's harder to kind of feel like you're doing anything of value because you don't have some specific role anymore. But remember, in Focus, there are only a handful of roles in that community that are like, you know, really titled and given to you in a way that's like really clear cut. Adult life, those roles aren't near as clear cut. You think about Spider-Man Homecoming and you think about how Spider-Man, you know, has basically nothing to do. Tony doesn't really trust him, you know, to do stuff. And uh, he just, he feels like his role ought to be much bigger, but he doesn't have the title. And then in that funniest part of that whole movie, which I love so much, and there's so many things I could probably talk about about that, is how when Tony's going to reveal him as one of the Avengers... And Tony's like super thinking that he needs to be an Avenger now. And Spider-Man's like, I know this is a test, right? And says no. And then he walks away, which is its own kind of funny, uh, you know, deal. But wasn't ready for the role, whatever. Didn't need the title. Could continue doing the things that he was doing without the title to be on the Avengers. I really love that moment because I think that's a really important moment. And then I think that's when they, Tony did the whole engagement announcement thing like that. Uh, some of you are not shaking your heads much. Like, have you not brushed up on these movies? I mean, you know, have you forgotten all these? Or uh, making me sick here, okay? It's very important that you guys watch popular movies. <laughs> know, know about our culture, you know? I don't know. Just kidding. So what role do you have? And here's a more, uh, uh, another question that's kind of a follow-up to this. Is this a team-decided role that you have? Is it team-decided? Or is it you-decided? Because when we decide our own roles in, a, in, a, in an environment, we basically lose sight of the whole purpose of our role in the first place, which is a team need and necessary. Some guys want a team where we may be doing more than what is capable of our role just because we're the best person out of all of them to do it. And then sometimes our skills aren't being used near to the degree that they need to because either there are other people who have been in those roles, whatever. But is your role in our community, in your workplace, whatever, is it team decided? Okay. Or is it you decided? Have you decided what role you're willing to take on? Because there are, and most of us know uh, what this word is, it's called manager, too many people doing a job that they ought not be doing. It's called manager, all right? And that's the same problem we have with teams when we decide what role we're going to fulfill, what role we think we ought to do, which may have nothing to do with what the team sees as, you know, the importance of our role. Not to mention the fact now, well, and the Spirit, the Spirit guides us through that, those conversations. We think through those things. He helps us understand that through people we can trust. Of course, if you're on like a team outside of that, you have no guarantees of that. So plenty of times you can fall into a role that you ought not be in. But is your role team decided or is it you decided? I love the um, 
you know, the Hulk scene with the glove deal because everyone wants to sort of take this on. Hulk seems like the best candidate to do this, right? He just seems like that's going to be the guy that's going to be able to handle this job. Can't handle it on his own, right? Of course, Thor wants to. He's in no shape, uh, but Hulk can't handle it, or at least can't in that moment, you know, wearing the, uh, the gauntlet uh, with the Infinity Stones. So sometimes that's us. Uh, we're willing to sacrifice maybe, but sometimes we, we want it more for the pride like Thor did versus Hulk who were willing to sacrifice it. Either way, neither one of them was the right role for that. Sometimes, and I already mentioned this, on team uh, in our roles are kind of leftovers. What's left after showing up to the scene? And there's nothing wrong with doing things in a team you know, uh, environment where it's kind of what's left over, what's not being done. Too few of us are, are willing to come into an environment and do what's left over. All right? We might say, well, what's really needed? But then what we're kind of thinking is like what's needed, like important needed, not like leftover needed, okay? Uh, I mean, for instance, I make the coffee in the mornings. I would rather someone else make the coffee, all right? There is a role that's leftover. So if you would like to make the coffee and tea, that'd be great, because then I could come out here and pretend to be the pastor of this church uh, rather than do what I would rather do, which is do tasks and not talk to people, all right? And that would give me an excuse not to do that. So there's a leftover role. Is it forced on you? Sometimes in teams, we force roles onto other people that just don't fit, and that's fine. I've often wondered of that myself as a, a pastor. That I really don't fit the bill most days for what it looks like to be a pastor, and almost everybody knows that, so it's not like a secret, okay? But what I'm learning more and more, and I remember uh, about two weeks ago reading this Christianity Rediscovered book, um, I've always really personally wanted to be an evangelist, someone who can go into an environment, people don't know the gospel, give it to them, share it with them in stories and in images, connect with them, and uh, I'm not good at that. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. The reason I'm not good at it isn't because I can't talk to people, isn't because I don't know people, and it isn't because I can't build relationships really quickly. My biggest problem is I don't care enough to talk to people beyond 10 or 15 seconds of hearing about what's going on with them. I get bored, I wanna get back to tasks. And so I'm learning more and more, and this message sort of came to me through the spirit about two weeks ago, and I've told some of you this, shared it, I'm sharing it now to the whole church so you can keep me accountable. God just telling me, if you ever wanna be a decent evangelist, you're going to have to develop a pastoral heart. Because to be a decent evangelist, you actually have to love people enough to take care of them and want to talk to them. And, uh, and I know that sounds like a high bar, uh, but that's, uh, you know, that's what I'm learning. And so if I have some really strange and weird conversations with you guys when you come to the shop, and you're just like, why didn't this guy fix my car? I'm working on being more of a pastor. <laughs> so it takes longer, and I do charge by the hour, I'm sorry for the car thing, and your bill's a little bit bigger. Well, that's just the downside of me learning to be a pastor. All right, so there we go. Yeah, great, 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 great. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, I don't know what this next question is. Uh, so yeah, who knows? Oh yeah, no, no that's fine. Uh, so let me just say this as kind of a last uh, you know, thought here, but strengths are made perfect only in a team, okay? You can be as strong as Thor, the God of Thunder, and still not be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish if you're not a part of a team. The Spirit uses our strengths in a way that, combined with His strength, gets things done. Your strength on your own will never be powerful enough. Remember what Paul says uh, about man's greatest strength, uh, uh, still much lower than God's greatest weakness, which is obviously a, 
um, not theologically very accurate, but uh, a good analogy for us to understand. Strengths are made perfect only in a team. And the nice thing about that is that when we get to be a part of a team and God uses our strengths and actually uses our weaknesses too, we get to actually recognize and relate back to the power that God uh, has because he does stuff that there's no way with all of the might and work that we could possibly have done uh, accomplish the things that he can accomplish. Another thought just to kind of think through at the uh, last part here, if your strengths are ultimately for you and for yourself and benefit you, but don't really benefit the team, you've got to start to think about why it is that you find identity in those strengths. Because if it doesn't really build up the team, your strengths don't really provide something for the people around you, what Paul says about having equal concern for all members of the body, suffering with people who suffer, uh, you know, um, celebrating with people who celebrate, uh, you lose all of that ability for the spirit to be able to work there. Strength, I think, naturally separates us from others, uh, right? Because if I'm strong, someone else is weak. But the most amazing thing about the kingdom of God is, is strength in spirit's control causes unity. That's exactly what 1 Corinthians 12 says. It's for the common good, and it brings people together. God giving gifts, giving strengths to people does the opposite of what we would think it would do, and it brings us together uh, in the spirit's uses for those things. Guys, that's all I got. So that's what you get for in-game. That was kind of a, you know, uh, intro. The next uh, week will be a little bit longer. I'm not going to preach a 20-minute sermon or 15, okay? We're going we're gonna to get deep into Thanos and uh, Theos. Uh, you have a question? Yeah. Yeah, our strengths are, uh, are, are actually, uh, you know, strengths naturally divide us. They separate us. I'm strong. You're weak. I got to do something. You can't. And in the kingdom of God, it's the exact opposite. They bring us together. Uh, and it's exactly what 1 Corinthians 12. You know what? Let's just read some Bible. Why not? Who, who would have thought? Let's do that. Because I keep referencing 1 Corinthians 12, and I just preached a sermon on the end game, which is probably sacrilegious. So I might as well just, you know, fast forward and read through. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's just read all of 12. I mean, it's kind of long, but if you need to listen, you can listen. I think what's so important about this is we love to skip 12 and go right to 13. Uh, but the whole idea of Paul talking about love is you know, prefaced or premised by this idea that we all have gifts. And the thing that often separates us is our competing, is our strengths, is our using our strengths to overcome people, to make, us like, uh, to make them like us, whatever. And that's where this love passage comes in. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brother... Uh, gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. This is kind of a weird phrase, but what he's ultimately talking about with these dumb idols is that we go after these strengths, we go after these various powers uh, so as to kind of like follow them and, you know, be strong in them. Um, so there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Uh, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Let me say one thing about here uh, real quick. Sometimes we look at these gifts lists and we think, well, that's the encompassing all the gift lists. I guess those are the gifts. I don't feel like I have any of those, so I probably don't have any. 
Now, just like the sin lists aren't comprehensive, we've gotten really good at making up new sins. Uh, these gift lists are not at all comprehensive, guys. Okay, not at all comprehensive, right? Paul doesn't mention every part of the body. That had been strange. And probably they didn't know what the parts of the body, all of them were. Wait. Anyway. Um, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another uh, the ability to distinguish spirits, to another the ability to speak in different tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And this list in particular tends to be pretty supernatural because of the interaction that he has had with Corinthians up to this point and how they've been using their supernatural manifestations to divide each other rather than to bring each other together. So that's another thing with this spiritual gift list. We tend to think, oh, well, you know, it's, I guess all the spiritual gifts are like super supernatural. Uh, no, that's, that's not how we have to think about this. This is not meant a comprehensive list. All right. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. He gives them to each one just as he determines. Okay? It's an amazing thing. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. Though it's all parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be, hey, there's some, you know, personification in here. I mean, that's what he's going for, all right? Definitely going for it here. All right. Uh... I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. If there's one line from this entire thing I think you ought to think through, it's verse 22. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What do you think Paul really means by that? Because, you know, we tend to, again, in our strengths, think about the roles that people have and the strong roles as being the most important roles. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And he goes on to do these other things. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. All right, we're going to take communion from here. And, uh, uh, you know, the way we take communion, I think maybe there's a few of you who maybe haven't been in a while, whatever. We've got a few people in the back. You're going to take the, uh, the bread, dip it in the juice, and then we're going to break, uh, break from there. Unless anybody's got some really uh, strong thought or... Uh, thing that they want to add to our in-game uh, teamwork makes the dream work sermon. Lord God, you have uh, put me in roles that I am not even remotely qualified for. You have gifted me with your spirit uh, to do things that I would never desire to do or plan on doing or think I could ever do. And uh, you've done that to build up your body and um, I know that there are people here that uh, are resistant to that. They're confused about it. Um, 
Maybe they're in roles that ought, they ought to transition from. I pray that you would speak uh, to us as a body uh, over the summer, that you would move uh, the pieces and the parts as you will, that we wouldn't be resistant to it, that people would step up who uh, you've been calling to step up, that uh, people who need to pass on their role that would do that, uh, that you would continue to arrange us uh, as a part of your body uh, so as to um, really accomplish what you're meaning to accomplish uh, among us in our city. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.